Welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Practicology Podcast. You may remember that in our last episode, we took up the question, what is Good Friday? And we thought about particularly about the death and crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. He was crucified on a Friday, but we don't want to stop on the Friday. We need to keep going until we get to the glorious truth of the empty tomb on the Sunday morning. Back in episode 110, we did look at the historicity of the resurrection, some of the evidence that Jesus did in fact literally rise from the dead in his physical human body. But Mike, I know you're going to take us to think a little bit more today about what the resurrection means for us. So you've called this episode, The Empty Grave is Bigger Than Your Bad Day. Yeah, that's right. In good practicology fashion, uh, I want to explore how the empty tomb changes the way we live, how it changes your day to day, especially if you're having a bad day. And the title you mentioned, it actually comes from a local church down the road from me. I believe that this is a saying that they circulate in their culture as they remind each other when things aren't going well that the empty grave is bigger than your bad day. Well, when we think about the empty grave and someone having a bad day, obviously our minds would go to Mary Magdalene in John chapter 20. She'd already had a a bad weekend because she had witnessed the dearest person in her life cruelly crucified. A horrible shadow came over her life. Jesus was now dead. And then it gets worse. On that first day of the week, she got up early to go to Jesus' tomb. It was so early in the morning that it was still dark, but there was enough light for her to see something she didn't want to see. The stone had been taken away from the tomb, and now her bad day is getting a whole lot worse. Yeah, the injustice of the leaders crucifying Jesus was bad enough, but now to find out that they'd gone in and stolen away his body and and his dignity and This was far more than she could bear. It was uh, salt being rubbed into the wound. So she immediately runs to Peter and John and and shares with them the awful news. So up to this point, the empty grave isn't bigger or better than Mary's bad day. It's actually making her bad day even worse. And I love that scene, though, when Peter and John hear about it, they break into a run to see for themselves Unlike Mary, they don't stop when they see the stone rolled away. Peter actually goes right in, typical Peter, rushes in. John follows him in, and they see something that instantly transformed their bad day into a very good day. They head back to the other disciples. But it seems that Mary Magdalene returns a little bit later. That's understandable. She's been up early. She ran back already to tell Peter and John. Now she's gone there a second time makes sense that she'll arrive later than the two men then. And once again, she holds back from going in. She's not aware of what Peter and John just saw in the tomb. She stands outside the tomb weeping. Yeah, and that word weeping, we can read it in the Bible, and maybe maybe we domesticate it a little bit, but I'm guessing this is the real kind of weeping, you know, the, the ugly face kind of crying. And her world is shaken, her heart is broken. I mean, she loved Jesus with all her heart, and now he's gone. He's been taken from her, not just once, but two times now. And it all seems so unfair, so unjust, the, the kindest man ever to be treated this way. And, and so she's crying, and as she's crying, she stoops down to look into the tomb. And she sees something different from what Peter and John saw. She sees two angels dressed in white on either side of where Jesus' body had had been laid, and the angels ask her, why are you weeping? They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him, she wails. 
And then suddenly she could sense someone was behind her. So she turns around and sure enough, a man is standing there. It's a very dramatic scene. I think it's so interesting. She doesn't know who this man is, but he asked her the same question that the angels had asked. Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? It, it's like the man is tenderly asking her, how can I help you? Well, she assumes that he's the gardener. The tomb was located in a garden after all. So she says to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Now, that statement makes me tear up a bit. She's so brave and loyal to the Lord. She just wants to honor him and she'll talk to any man. She'll assert herself in any situation. I mean, she's just seen two angels, but she's not really into those angels. I mean, just think of it. If you and I had seen two angels, maybe right? But she's not, she's not really caring about those two angels. All she can think of is her Lord and her Lord's body. And what she doesn't know is the deceased is watching her the whole time. The deceased is hearing firsthand how much she loved him, what lengths she's prepared to go to to honor his memory. For the man taking time to care for her is none other than the risen Jesus Christ she's weeping for. And this life-changing realization comes to Mary when Jesus says just one more word to her. He says, Mary. And when we lose a loved one, I, I think this is what we long for as well. We think if we could only see them one more time, if we could only hear them say our name one more time, and we long for that. And now Mary is realizing she's actually getting Jesus back forever. And notice that it's at this point that she recognizes him, right? It's it's when he calls her name. The risen Lord Jesus Christ knows her by name. And our minds go back to what Jesus said in John 10 when he was speaking of himself as the good shepherd. He, he says that the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they, they will not follow. Uh, they don't know the voice of strangers, but they know the shepherd's voice. And so Jesus knows her name. She knows his voice. And Jesus would later say in verse 27 of that chapter, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So beloved listeners, I think what Mike is teaching us today, hey, you and I can have bad days too. We can have very bad days. In fact, maybe this day that you're listening to this podcast is a bad day for you. Sometimes our days can seem almost as bad as Mary's bad day. Death threatens to steal a loved one. And so, with tenderness, I want to remind you, the empty grave is bigger than your bad day. Because the empty grave doesn't mean Jesus has been taken twice. It means he was taken away once, and now he's given back to you and me forever. Amen, yeah. And, and the empty grave means that you and I have a living Savior, one who is fully alive. He knows you personally by name. He doesn't have to ask uh, an assistant by his side, you know, to quickly remind him of your name because it slipped his mind. He knows you. He loves you. He lives for you. And one day he'll come back for us and ask us, why are you weeping? And he'll wipe away all our tears forever. Well, thank you, Mike, for these comforting thoughts. But help me, what are we to make of the next part in the story? Because after calling Jesus Rabboni, which is Aramaic for teacher, Jesus says, do not cling to me. It seems a strange thing. Does, does, he, does he not want her to get too close to him? You know, like, don't touch me? No, this, this verse is not meant to lessen our sense of comfort at all. 
the best scholarly Greek lexicon, the BDEG lexicon. It renders the Greek here as, stop clinging to me, stop clinging to me. In other words, it seems that Mary has embraced Jesus. She, she can hardly believe her eyes, her sadness has turned to unspeakable joy. Jesus is alive and, and she embraces him and clings to him as if she'll never let him go again. I'm never going to lose you again, in other words. And the Lord is saying to her, Mary, you can't keep clinging to me like this forever. Uh, there's something better I have for you. And, and oh my, was he ever right when he offered something better. Um, what Jesus was going to offer her was far better, was far more intimate than a physical hug that never ended. And so Jesus says, he says, you know, uh, don't keep clinging to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them. And Murray Harris uh, writes of this. Uh, he says, the nature of Mary's relationship to Jesus would be permanently changed with the resurrection ascension a new and more intimate spiritual union between Jesus and his disciples was being ushered in. So hear that? The, the nature of her relationship with Christ has changed forever. She now has a more intimate relationship with him. And so to underscore that, Jesus says, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brothers. So, so because of the resurrection, there is a living Savior who knows you by name, who has ascended into heaven, not in order to get away from you, but in order so that he might have a closer, more intimate spiritual relationship with you. And not only does he call you by name, he calls you his brother, his sister. It is remarkable. Go to my brothers. What, what comfort that must have been to the disciples, uh, not only from understanding now that the Lord was risen, but that he called them his brothers even after they had deserted him and failed him. So it's a precious thing. Uh, Mike, let's just pause for a moment to get our bearings here. So we're saying first Mary's day got worse because of the empty grave, but then it got progressively better because of the empty grave again. She discovered that Jesus was alive. She discovered that she now has a new relationship with him that was closer and more loving than any physical contact could provide. Jesus looked upon her and the other believers as brothers and sisters and my guess now is that her bad day is about to get even better still because of the empty grave. I think so, yes. Because next she finds out that she has a new relationship and intimacy, not only with the Lord Jesus, but also with God the Father. And this is unfathomably awesome. Not only does the Lord call us his brothers and sisters, he tells Mary to tell his brothers the following message. I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Yes, Jesus was going to be leaving. She couldn't cling to him forever and, and keep him privately for herself. He needed to leave. But in leaving, he wasn't going to be taken from her twice. No, he was ascending. He was leaving, not to get away from her, but so that he could give her the same position he has with God. From now on, she'll be able to call Almighty God the same name that the Son of God has used from all eternity, Father. And she'll be able to call God her Father just as legitimately and confidently as if she were Jesus Christ himself. As Jim Hamilton puts it, these statements hint that the death and resurrection of Jesus have made it so that those who trust Jesus share the same standing before God the Father that he himself enjoys. Amazing. I, I think of the words of this hymn, I'm just going to it now, Mike. 
so near, so very near to God, I cannot nearer be, for in the person of his Son I am as near as he. So dear, so very dear to God, more dear I cannot be, the love wherewith he loves the Son, such is his love to me. Amen. So let's sum up how the empty grave was bigger than Mary's bad day, and then we'll take a minute just to see how it can help us on our bad days too. So on the worst day of her life, the empty grave taught Mary to say, I have a living Savior who calls me by name and calls me his brother, his sister. I have a loving Father who gives me the same place of acceptance, love, and intimacy that his perfect Son has enjoyed for all eternity. So, so what about your bad day? Maybe your day is bad because your name got passed over, someone else got the promotion, the position, or is getting all the attention. Well, we remember that the empty grave is so much bigger than that. The most accomplished, successful, stunning person in the entire universe is alive right now, and he knows your name. He knows your name. He hasn't passed over it. Yeah, or maybe someone's having a, a bad day, Mike, in another sense. Maybe they feel they're doing poorly spiritually, and you're disappointed in yourself because of a, a recent spiritual failure, and you feel like there's no way God can be as warm to me after what I've just done. But the empty tomb is also bigger than that. It means that a righteous Savior, Jesus Christ the righteous, has died in your place. He's cried, it is finished. He rested on the Sabbath, Saturday, and he came alive on the first day of that new creation week. And God has accepted his perfect sacrifice. He's the propitiation for our sins. And now you enjoy the same position as God's risen son. God looks at you the same way he looks at his son. That's how he sees us. So there's nothing you can do to get a closer position with him. There's nothing you can do to get him to love you more than he already does. Yeah, I mean, your spiritual failure isn't worse than the disciples, is it? And, and yet, what does Jesus want Mary to tell them? I mean, they have just utterly failed Jesus. And yet he has a message to give to them, and it's not... I still haven't forgiven you for what you guys did to me. I can't believe you deserted me. That's not his message. He says, Mary, can you tell them again that they're my brothers and that my father is their father, my God is their God? So yeah, this is just, uh, uh, the, the empty grave is just so wonderful. And it makes me want to finish off that hymn you started quoting there, Matthew. The, the next verse in our Believer's Hymn book um, says, Why should I ever careful be since such a God is mine? He watches o'er me night and day and tells me mine is thine. Well, thank you, Mike, for the precious reminders. I've just got a little sidebar comment or question here, though. So Jesus tells Mary to go and tell the disciples, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. He also says, I am ascending to my God and your God. Now, some people might take from that that because Jesus calls the Father his God, then the Father is more God than the Lord Jesus. And it's kind of bringing it into question the Trinity. So as if only the Father is the one true God and Jesus is just under him. What would you say to that? Well, what I'd like to say is I'd like to spend a whole episode on it. Um, but let me just try and say, speak to it very, very briefly. The short answer is no. Uh, that truth that God the Father is also Jesus' God does not mean that the Father lays claim to deity in a way that the Lord Jesus doesn't. The Lord Jesus could call God the Father. 
he could say to him, my father. He could say that from all eternity. All eternity, the Lord Jesus could say, my father, to God the Father. But it was when he became a man like us that the Lord Jesus could look to God and say, you're my God. And, um, and so this expression where he's referring to God the Father as my Father and my God is not saying that God the Father is more God than the Lord Jesus. It's really saying that while at the same time the Lord Jesus is co-equal with God, he's also become human like us and is able as a human and as a righteous, faithful, commandment-obeying human, he's able to look to God and say, you are my God. So anyways, that's a very short answer. Matthew, I have written fairly extensively about it in a series at the Truth and Tidings website. So if that verse concerns you at all, I'd encourage you to head over there and dig up that series and, and um, carefully think through it. All right, thank you for that explanation and giving people the resources to where they can go to find out a little bit more about it too. But let's end on a resurrection note. I was recently studying the life of Joshua and saw these words from Tony Merida, how Genesis ends with Joseph's death, Deuteronomy ends with Moses' death, Joshua ends with Joshua's death, but the Gospels end with Jesus' resurrection. And that changes everything. Yes, it sure does. It sure does. And um, as I wrap this up, it just occurs to me how Mary was given such a privilege, wasn't she? Uh, her day got even better because not only did she discover how the empty tomb means all these things are true for her, but she was given a privilege to be the Lord's messenger. The Lord said, can you be my messenger? I have a message for you to send to, to my brothers. And so she got to pass on his message of mercy and acceptance to the, the fearful disciples. And, you know, as I think about it, that's what preaching is. It is uh, telling the Lord's people that Christ has ascended to their Father and His Father. And Matthew, you and I get to do this on this podcast. It's such a privilege for us to have this little ministry. And we get to, week in and week out, remind listeners um, about their Savior and how He's ascended to His Father and our Father. And so uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And we want to thank Allison, our social media manager, for all that she does in scheduling the posts. And um, if you go to our website, practicologypodcast.com, you'll find links there to some of the social media platforms that Allison manages for us. And we'd encourage you to click on those, subscribe to them, and uh, see the quotes and images that she puts up there for us. So big thank you to her. And I and I'd also like to thank Joe Markle out here in Halifax, who's helping me on the tech side of things on the East Coast. Thank you very much, Joe. All right. And yeah, thanks to you for listening. And we'll see you again next week. May the Lord bless you all.